0: Hi, this is Van Williams. I'm going to be the next guest on On Screen and Beyond.
1: On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak Welcome once again to On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and DVD releases. And, of course, our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This is episode 269 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak And this week, we have a superhero coming your way. Well, he also was the star of such shows as Bourbon Street Beat, Surfside Six, and many others, but we all remember him as the Green Hornets. That's right, Van Williams is going to be coming our way, so stick around for that. It's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And we got a lot of great stuff coming your way in this episode of On Screen and Beyond. We've got uh, remakes that are coming your way, and we've got some interesting sequels and some TV time news that's coming your way, and uh, it's all coming up, so stick around. Hope you're going to enjoy it. And be sure to check out OnScreenAndBeyond.com. That's where you can get all the information that we talk about. And, of course, you got TV and movie reviews and uh, DVDs and everything else. It's all there. And all our past 269 interviews are all there. So check them out. Tell a friend. And what do you say we get right into Remake Madness next on OnScreenAndBeyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. we got some interesting ones here. Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys film, which uh, is going to be going to the big screen. It's Of course, it's a big screen version of the popular Broadway musical. If you haven't seen it, be sure to check it out. It's pretty good. And it's uh, moving along with Eastwood planning not to use big-name stars in the lead roles. So we'll see what happens with that one. And the remake of The Little Mermaid, presumably a live-action film, will be moving along. And possibly, they're saying, it's going to be written by the screenwriter... Who did the film version of Fifty Shades of Grey? Little Mermaid, Fifty Shades of Grey, (laughs) quite a a span there. And the remake of Hercules with Dwayne Johnson by Brett Ratner is entering production, and you can look for it on July 25th, 2014. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we take a peek at what's coming away as far as upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies. Well, it looks like Paul Giamatti will play Beach Boy Brian Wilson's therapist in a biopic about the Beach Boys. And you can look for Don Johnson. He's going to play Cameron Diaz's father in a film called The Other Woman, and he gives her advice. Well, and it also looks like a new movie from producer Brett Radner once again called Seven Wonders is in the works, and the film is described as an action-adventure involving the seven wonders of the world. That sounds like a good one. That is it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. We take a peek at what's coming way as far as sequels down at Sequel City right here on On Screen and Beyond. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one
0: of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a Member FDSE. Sequel City, well, rumors are circulating that Mel Gibson will play the villain in The Expendables 3. And you can look for Chevy Chase to now be on board to return for Hot Tub Time Machine two and jillian jacobs also from uh, chevy's show the community is going to be joining the cast too and you can look for warner brothers they have dropped the sequel to dumb and dumber but the project is not dead or may not be dead anyways because several companies are in talks to take it over that is it for sequel city coming up next on on screen or Beyond, we'll take a peek at what's coming away as far as tv on dvd TV on DVD, well, the classic The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis Season 1 will head our way on September 10th, but you can get the complete series on July 2nd If you so desire, and of course we've had an interview with the star of that show, Dobie Gillis, and uh, of course that's uh, Dwayne Hickman, and you can check it out at onscreenabeyond.com. go to our rerun section, and you can hear all about the many loves of Dobie Gillis right here on On Beyond. And on September 3rd, you can get Revolution, the complete first season on DVD and Blu-ray combo pack, and Two and a Half Men, the complete tenth season, will hit stores on September 24th. That is it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? We're going to tell (laughs) you. Movies on DVD, July 16th, 42. The Jackie Robinson story will uh, come our way with Harrison Ford and Chadwick Boseman. It's going to slide onto Blu-ray and DVD. And a Blu-ray release of the classic Wizard of Oz is going to be coming our way on October 1st in honor of its 75th anniversary. And on July 16th, the uh, rockumentary Affair of the Heart with Rick Springfield will land on Blu-ray and DVD. That's it for movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV time. TV time, well, it looks like signs continue to show the faltering of the once-top-dog American idol. 12-year producer Nigel Lithgow is going to be leaving the show. And Christina Ricci will star in a Lifetime movie about Lizzie Borden, the famous alleged murderess. And Alyssa Milano will host Project Runway All-Stars in Season 3. That is it for TV time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Van Williams, the Green Hornet, comes our way. He, of course, was in other shows, uh, including Surfside Six, Big Show, and Bourbon Street Beat, and all sorts of other stuff, and West Wind, and everything else. We're going to talk about all of those things. Van Williams coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actor who has starred in several TV series including Bourbon Street Beat, Surfside Six, The Tycoon, and West Winds, but he is widely remembered for his role as the superhero on the TV series The Green Hornet. It's Van Williams. Van, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. Van, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I've had a lot of people write in and say, can you get Van Williams on the show? And I'm so happy that we're finally going to be able to get you here to to talk with everybody.
0: Well, that's nice to know, since I've been out of the business for so many years. But, you know, I just did a couple autograph shows, Mm -hmm. and, man, they just piled in. I guess guess that takes Green Hornet was a bigger hit than I thought it was.
1: Now, did most people at those conventions remember you for the Green Hornet or did they remember you for Surfside 6 and the Tycoon? No,
0: it's always the Green Hornet. Really? Yeah, they remember the other ones. Yeah. The, it, the popular one to them was the Green Hornet. Yeah. And it's always the one they want to talk about. The other ones they don't even ask any questions on.
1: Really? Yeah. And,
0: I, yeah. Huh. yeah. And they got all sorts of of questions they asked on the Green Hornet. Which I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, we get through it somehow or other.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, everybody's so excited to see you, uh, and uh, but but I want to talk about all your career because I mean, yes, the Green Hornet was one of the most memorable shows that they remember you from, but you actually did shows that lasted longer than the Green Hornet.
0: Well, I did. uh, Some of them did. Some of them didn't. Uh, Yeah. Most of the shows I did were were one year shows. Um, uh, Surfside 6, if I remember right, was three years. But you got to remember that back in those days, in, in Bourbon Street Beat and, you know, the Warner Brothers days and all that, they did 39 shows a year. Right, and yeah. And that's 39-hour shows. Jeez. <laughs> well, the Green Ordet was 26, which was maximum for a year, 26 half-hour shows. hmm And, you know, the thing was over, and you were done out doing other stuff. Yeah. But on those other long shows, they just went on forever. I know. And some of those things took eight or nine days to shoot. Wow. It's almost like a movie.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So let's start off when you were a kid. Okay. Is being an actor what you wanted to be when you were a child?
0: Oh, God, no. I wanted to be a cowboy, which I was. Really? Yeah, I grew up on a ranch in Texas.
1: Ah, okay. Had my
0: horses had my cattle. I still got the ranch in Texas, if you can believe. Hmm. Still got cattle on it, and uh, now I was just a, just a big play, play old cowboy.
1: So you could ride a horse and everything when you were doing shows I rode like rode
0: horses and, and rodeoed and frogs and bear and bull bull riding, all that stuff. I didn't do much roping, so that you I man, I had to carry a horse with you all the time. But anyway, yeah, that uh, you know I, I had no no intentions of nothing, hmm. and the kind of the way that it got me in the acting business was I was football player, and I was on uh, was on a scholarship at TCU, Texas Christian University, and, and that came to a, a close, and I got a letter from some guys because. Uh three years before that a friend of mine called and said, Hey, do you know anything about scuba? I said, I don't even know what scuba is. What is scuba? So he was telling me, he just bought this hundred and ten foot schooner that had all this scuba gear on it. In mm-hmm. other words, it had compressors, it had uh recompressors, it had all the stuff on it and evidently they went diving and, and all over the Caribbean and everything else. Wow. So I worked went down there and I worked with the crews for a long, long time, and I came back and said, you know, I better finish my college career because I hadn't finished TCU. And all of a sudden, I get a letter asking me to come over there that these guys had retired from the Navy. They were they were in Guantanamo. Retired from the Navy, and they were going over and had all these uh, things to do, orders from the Navy and from other people over in the South Pacific to do, so I said, "Huh, huh, that sounds kind of fun." So I went over there. Hmm. I went over there and I did a bunch of diving and this that, and the other devilish salvage diving and all of this and top skin diving at the Hawaiian Village Hotel and everything else. And the only problem is, I got I got the bends twice. Ooh. you don't want the bends three times Jeez. because that's usually where the where the uh, crippling starts. in. Uh-huh. You know, where they you, you get paralyzed from yeah. the waist, waist down. Yeah. So anyway, I decided, oh, hell, I'd met these people uh, that I'd taught skin diving. Uh, you might have remembered, well, you remember her, but I didn't really have much to do with her. Elizabeth Taylor, mm-hmm. she was married to... Uh, uh, Mike, Todd. Mike Todd.
1: Yeah, Mike Todd, Mike yeah.
0: Todd. Well, I went to Mike Todd. I'd met him and some of the people that worked for him. And besides doing that... They wanted me to do a night job and be the the assistant theater manager at the Hawaiian Village Hotel because he brought his around the world in 80 days over there and was running it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I did that and I did the other and whatever. And one of the people that worked for him including him and said, you know, you ought to be in the acting business. There's there, there a dire need for some people that look good, that are normal, that don't look like flies, and this, that, and the other. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know anything about it. But anyway, he said, well, if you get tired of diving uh, and spending your life in Hawaii, give me a call. If you ever come comes down, whatever. Well, I didn't do that. But then about two months after that, Mike Todd was flying in his Lockheed Electra back to New York, hmm. and it crashed and killed him. Yeah. And he died, and I figured, well, that was the end of the acting career. So anyway, to make a long story short, I did stop over. I met some of the guys uh, in, in Hollywood or actually in Los Angeles and whatever. And to make an, another long story short, uh, I met an, an agent, and the agent said, oh, they're looking for people just like you out at Review. Let me take you to Review. So sure enough, they took me to he took me to review. They put me under kind of a semi contract and I did about five or six shows. I did one with Ronald Reagan, I did one with uh Dan Daly, hmm. I did another one with uh Robert Taylor, uh and most of these were uh you know, pilots for series and none of them sold. The one that Ronald Reagan was doing is he was the spokesman for ge theater
1: okay yeah and
0: that's that's when i got to meet ronald reagan and played a cowboy part and this that and the other anyway warner brothers saw i guess it was the the ge theater of me being in a western mm-hmm. and they invited me over and they put me under contract well i was there for six years and during the six years i did two series Urban Street beat, Surfside 6, and many, many, many guest shots on all the shows that they had. Because Warner Brothers was doing all the shows for ABC, and they had a lot of them. I think they had 26 shows going. Wow. That six years that I was at, at there, and I did all of those different shows and guest shots. And then I got out of Warner Brothers and did a series with the Walter Britton called Tycoon
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and then uh, I did uh, a little series in Hawaii called West Wind and yeah. then my favorites were I did a gun that was uh, an unbelievable gun smoke. that's my pride and joy
1: really well
0: it's not it's not it's not my only pride and joy I did another one uh, before the Green Hornet that was supposed to be on when the Green Hornet was on and it was a military one I played a commander of a submarine during World War II, and it was absolutely a beautiful show. Technicolor, all of this stuff from World War II with submarines and everything else. They had it on the schedule, and about two weeks before it was supposed to start, the series was supposed to start, they canceled it. Somebody said in, in the monthly mucks of ABC said, oh, that's another dadgum war story. We don't want any more war stories. So then they sent me out, and they did the they they had me do a pilot, a spinoff on Big Valley, and I don't remember the name of it, but anyway, I, I was a, a widower. I had a young son, and it was kind of a continuation uh, of uh, uh, Rifleman.
1: Oh, okay. The name was yeah.
0: with Chuck Connors. You yep. Know? Yep. And that had been canceled. And that was supposed to go, and all of a sudden, two weeks before, got a call, oh no, they don't want any more Westerns. So, that died. And, you know, I just tiddled on and tiddled on and did a bunch of guest shots, and this, that, and the other. Uh, did a lot of things that I enjoyed, but I got to say that I got really, really bored of being jumped around, because, you know being an actor you're you're basically looking for a job all the time
1: right yeah even
0: even when you got a series going you know because as soon as a series dies you're out looking for a job again mm-hmm. and most of those series don't average more than one or two years some of them last forever seem like but yeah. most averages in one or two years and then they're gone yeah uh, Huh. Anyway, I've talked enough, so you got any questions?
1: <laughs> well, when you say that you grew up on a ranch, so when you went on all those westerns like Cheyenne and Colt 45 and The Lawman, yep. you, you were right at home then, riding a horse. Yeah. And... Yeah. yeah. And,
0: you know, uh, Cheyenne, uh, Clint Walker became a very good friend of mine. He was under contract at and he was doing Cheyenne. And I did a Cheyenne. Actually, I did two of them. And they were really good, and he and I became really, really good friends. And he used to say, "Van, you can't get yourself into that, because if you're going to start doing westerns, you're going to end up doing westerns for the rest of your life, just like me. And I said, oh, my God. Though <laughs> oh, that would not have been such a bad deal. But the next thing you know, they're putting me in those series in a suit-tie. Yeah. Which I never wore a suit and tie. Really, <laughs> the only suit and tie I ever wore before I went to California was was going to the senior play.
1: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the only
0: suit and tie I ever had on. Huh. <laughs> so I did Bourbon Street Feet in a suit and tie. I did Surf Six in a suit and tie, and almost every and, and Tycoon a suit and tie. Almost everything I did after that was suit and tie. Yeah. Jeez.
1: Uh, <laughs> huh. Now you played. Kenny Madison on Bourbon Street yep. Beat, you played Kenny Madison on Surfside 6, and you played Kenny Madison in a couple of episodes of 77 Sunset Strip. Now, yep. that's that's probably going to be a record or something, isn't it, of, of the person being on three different shows playing the same character?
0: Well, you know what? Probably was, but that's kind of the way that I was. That, you know, if you were under contract to those studios... And they were paying you 40 out of 52 weeks mm-hmm. at, at nothing. You know, mm-hmm. my starting salary at Warner Brothers was $200 a week. Yeah. And the, if, if you were there, they didn't want you sitting on the sidelines when they're paying you doing nothing. True. So they're going to put you in anything. Yeah. And I did, I did every one of their shows. I did all of the shows that they had. They even loaned me out and this, that, and the other so they could recoup some of the money they were paying me on those wonderful studio contracts. And that was kind of amazing, because I was at Warner Brothers when the whole thing started to fall apart for the major studios. Mm -hmm. Jim Garner was playing Maverick. Right, yeah. There was a writer's strike. In the writer's strike, Jim Garner said he would not cross the picket line. Warner Brothers found out about it, and he said, you either work or I'm going to sue you. Garner said, go ahead and sue me. So he sued him. Well, Garner sued him back. Mm -hmm. Got him on the stand, and he pretty pretty much admitted in the judge and in front of all the people and the juries and everything else, that the major studios, and there were a bunch of them, you know, Paramount, uh, uh, 20th Century Fox, you name it, Warner Brothers, uh, MGM, that did these studio contracts, they were white slavery things. He admitted that they had a white, white slave racket going. Wow. And that wasn't just for actors and actresses. It was for producers, for directors, for, for everybody. Huh. Nobody made any money except the major studios. Yep. Jeez. Finally, Steve McQueen broke out. And Garter kind of got broken out. I finally got broken out years later, and everything else, where you could make some money. Mm. But uh, you know, it was really funny. I I went back. Uh, I did, and I was doing Green Hornet when Green Hornet was still in the major studio deals. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: and uh, I went back and did a show, uh, an autograph show, and they're paying so much on those now. That in in four hours, two hours on a Saturday and two hours on a Sunday, I made more money than I made on the entire series of the Green Hornet. Wow, <laughs> Jeez. that was the difference, you know? Huh? It was it was something else. It yeah,
1: something else. I mean, people think that you know the actors are are the star of the show and that they're making bundles of money, but back then that that's not necessarily true.
0: No way! No way! Mm-hmm. You know, the, people don't realize that that was not a very big industry, you know, because TV hadn't gotten big, and there were a whole lot of TV shows. Yeah. Movies were, uh, you know, far and few between, and this, that, and the other, and there was only a, a handful, I'd say not more than 10, maybe 20 at the most, that made over like $10,000 a year, and that would be your... You know all of the famous stars that were back there, Paul Dubin and right, yeah. And all, you know all the old-time gals that, and people that had been with those studios for years and finally had made big, big names for themselves and yeah, and uh, you know made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But that was because they were there for years and years and years at pauper salaries. Yeah, you know,
1: yeah so. they they paid their dues big time.
0: <laughs> yeah, they yeah. sure did.
1: Jeez. Now, when you. First started with the Green Hornet. You were actually on Batman, correct?
0: Yeah, we we went over and did two, what they ended up calling two crossovers. Mm -hmm. And I never will forget the day that it was announced that they were going to do that, and um, the executive producer uh, walked down and got Bruce and I aside and said, uh, "Now here's what we're going to do. We we need to spread out." have more people see the Green Hornet that's seeing it now so we're going to put you on it as a guest shot on uh, Batman mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I turn around and Bruce is gone and I said where the hell Bruce go and the producer said I don't know where he went anyway we hear this door slam and it's his little in, in stage dressing room and all of this screaming and yelling and everything going on Anyway, I walk over and knock on the door, and I say, Bruce, what the heck's going on? He said, did you hear what that guy said? He said, we're going to go over and do a Batman. He said, how's that going to work? I'm going to have to get into a fight with, with, with uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that played opposite Matt, Robin, and lose. He said, I'll never do that. I'll die before I do that. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, it was something else, because... The word got around that Bruce was really ticked off. He was going to have to do this, and that kid to played Robin was absolutely scared to death that he was going to get into a fight with Bruce wow. and get the hell beat out of him. You know. Yeah. But it turned out to be a real soppy, sloppy, not nothing. You know, a, a pitter pat here, and a pitter pat there, nothing. Yeah. Because I was supposed to get into a big fight with with Batman and lose. I didn't want to do that either, but I didn't raise hell. Hmm. Uh, Bruce is raising hell. Finally, got that taken care of. But just just some of the little sides that go on in the business.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so, how did you get the part of the Green Hornet? Where did you did you go to a, an open cattle call for it, or did they approach now, you?
0: No, I had done. Like I told you, I did that series, uh, for that pilot mm-hmm. for the series. They yep. had looked at every body in Hollywood for the part of the Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. They didn't have one. It's getting late. Uh, I go and I do that. The producers see that show, that thing, and they said, well, there's the Green Hornet if his show doesn't stay on the air. It saying pursue and destroy. That was the submarine thing. Yep, yep. Well... As I told you, you know, two or three weeks before, got news that wasn't going to go on. Well, right off the bat, I got a call from ABC. We want you to do the Green Hornet. And I said, oh, my God. I said, let me think about that a bit. So my biggest worry was, like what had happened to to, uh, all of the guys that played those superhero roles and everything else, Mm -hmm. they never could buy another job after that was over. Yeah, You know? Superman, even to a certain extent, uh, uh, Adam West. Yep. You know, he died. Mm-hmm. He had a hard time getting anything done.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: it just so happened that you know he he got enough done and started making a little bit of money, but nobody would hire him because he was Batman. Yeah, nobody would hire me because I was a Green Hornet. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, I didn't want to do it, so I got together with William Morris, my agent, and they and they said. Well, you can't just turn that down. That's the most sought after role in now and that's gonna make you look like an idiot. So I said, Well come up with some ideas. So I said, Okay, they call me back about a week. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. They they wanna pay you I think it was five hundred dollars Adam was getting for uh, Batman. They wanna pay you seven hundred and fifty dollars a show. They and and that's you know, that's going to just scare them to death because they're a real cheap outfit. Uh, you also uh, you will also get 100% residuals. In other words, your residuals don't run out. Uh. As long as they're played on prime time, they have to pay you your original salary. Hmm. And then the big one that we thought would be the real killer was, you get, uh, what was it, uh, you get... Uh, 50, uh, no, you get, well, heck, heck, what was it? Adam got a quarter, I think it was, of, of, uh, you know, toys and things. Oh, yeah. Merchandising is what mm-hmm. they called it. Yep. And they offered me uh, double that. Wow. And we thought, oh, boy, they, you know, that's going to be the real hang-up. They won't do that. Well, that's the first one they okayed. Jeez, (laughs) they went down to the wire where they had to get started shooting because the damn thing was due on in two two weeks. Wow! So they gave in and they gave it to me. Jeez! But it still was not not worth a damn contract. Oh really? You know? Oh no, hell no! I think I think I did take the seven fifty and the uh, the residuals. uh, Yeah, the residuals were the thing that kind of saved my hair. I mean, my ass, but what really bugged me, and we should have sued them, was they didn't have the merchandising rights. They had sold the merchandising rights to ABC, so they didn't have to shoot a pilot for the Green Hornet. So they didn't even have those.
1: Yeah, how could they do that? <laughs> they
0: have, that really makes make me mad. Made me mad. Yeah, that they were here. You know, we were willing to deal with on something that they didn't even have.
1: Yeah. You know? Boy, oh boy. that's
0: So anyway, we went to do it, and, uh, you know, we got flown back to New York, met George Trindle and ABC and the whole bit, and that was my first meeting of Bruce, and I thought he was, you know, a really nice kid and everything else. And uh, I couldn't understand. He had such a thick Chinese accent that everybody had a hard time understanding what he was saying.
1: You know? Oh, really? <laughs>
0: but he was clean-cut and very, very nice and everything else, so... We started in on it, and we did it, and it evidently became a big, big, a huge, quiet hit. Yeah. Because it is still one of the most popular shows that's ever been done. Oh, yeah. And I don't understand that. I really don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's one of those things that people just enjoy watching.
0: I guess. I don't know. I don't know. The thing never should have been done is a half hour. You know, trying to get all of that stuff in there, yeah. set up the the crime and everything else, the criminal, and then have uh, have uh, Brett Reed get involved with it and everything else. Then all of a sudden, the Green Hornet and Kato's involved in it, and this all has to take place in twenty two twenty four seconds. Mm, yeah. That's all we had for a half hour. Series. Yeah,
1: twenty four minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of people don't so, realize that the character Brett Reed was the son of Dan Reed, who was the son of John Reed, who was the brother of the Lone Ranger? <laughs> yep. yep. I, I mean, that's a... I didn't didn't. It's I a,
0: didn't really know that either until after I started doing it and got to know the guy that was playing the Lone Ranger. What was his name? Uh, uh, because, you know, I, I became Moore. a cop. Clayton Moore? Uh, yeah, Clayton Moore. Well, I got to know him because I was a cop, and I got a call. I was in Malibu. Mellandue Sheriff Station and got a call that somebody had stolen some guns and I went over and sure enough it was him. Somebody stole his those beautiful guns that he always wore wow. you know, as the Lone Ranger. Yeah, yeah. So I put in a big report and this, that, and the other, and by God of what you know, six six weeks later I get a call from the captain at the station. He said, Well, your board did it. You've rehung the 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 Lone Ranger. He's got his guns back. He's not impotent anymore. <laughs> so he got his guns back. Yeah, uh, there are so many funny asides in that business. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that. You asked some questions. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that um, you know people tend to get typecast uh, in roles, and uh, I was just talking with um, Max Bear Jr., who played Jethro oh, in the Bever- yeah. Beverly Hillbillies, and he was saying the same thing that you know it was tough for him after his his role. Oh, too. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. You- Anytime you do a role that's like that, that's that's so concentrating on not being a normal person, mm-hmm. uh, you know and you become a star, then you get known for that. So nobody will pick you because they'll think, well, that's not so-and-so. That's back there.
1: Right, yeah. You know, yeah.
0: So it, it, just, it was a sad situation. Many, many, many people had good careers going for them and made a mistake of doing the wrong role. It, it ended the career.
1: Yeah. So were you leery about taking the role because of that?
0: Oh, I didn't want to take it. That's why we came up with that. I told the, him the, the, yep, there was the, no way I wanted to do that. Yeah, I told but, William Morris, you've got to get me out of this thing. And they came up with those three things to do, which they sought. Any one of the three of them, they wouldn't accept because right. they were such a cheap outfit. But yeah. one by one by one, they all fell, and they all accepted them. Yeah. And here I am. i got to go. Yeah, I I go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, will forget what uh, I forget where I was, but oh, I had just gone and done, which actually was a pilot for a series off of uh, Big Valley. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's the one where I played the father of a. Uh, I was a widower and had a young son and old yep, bit
1: like Chuck Connor. It Connors. was supposed
0: to be a spinoff of Big Valley, and you know, got to know Barbara Stanwyck everything. It was nice and everything, else. and I was coming back uh, to the to go pick some stuff up. Because I went right from doing the Great Hornet right over to do that show, and I didn't really realize that that's what it was, that it was a, uh, a, what they call a spin-off, yep, yep. which is, you know, they play it on a regular series, and if it's good, they're going to make a series out of it. Mm-hmm, yeah. so I go back to 20th to pick up some things and the set. The, other, i go in my dressing room, did not a goddamn thing left. They took all, everything. Oh, everything. All my suits, my clothes, everything that I had left. Even took my script holder and everything. Jeez. Took it all, and it was all gone. I got nothing left from it.
1: So you never were able to keep any of the, the Green Hornet stuff?
0: Well, some, some people got somehow got a hold of some of the scripts and some of the stuff, but my my uh, leather holder that my wife had given me and was my real pride and joy, it never showed up. Yeah. All the all the clothes that was done by an outfit called uh, oh, they were the number one tailor in uh, in uh, in Beverly Hills. Uh, anyway, they they made all my clothes, and they were really beautiful. I mean, they they did spend the money on it. Yeah. The problem is they spent way too much money on it. It almost broke Twentieth Century Fox. Wow. And the Green Hornet and, and Batman and the whole bit. Yeah. Uh, that. That happened because at the same time, they had taken on the Green Hornet. Uh, They were pushing for doing an hour, which you could, you know, spend a lot more time on it and spend less money on it instead of a half hour, and they were doing it for that sake and everything else. And what happened was that they got uh, involved in doing it, and when they did, they were in the big middle of doing Cleopatra with uh, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth Taylor would not do the movie unless she got a million dollars. She was the first person that ever got a million dollars to play in a movie. Wow. And that almost for sure broke broke, broke, 20th Century Fox's back. So with all of these big money things going out and nothing coming in, they were padding like crazy. Mm, geez. So they killed my show. They killed Batman. They did. They did that movie, but I don't even know if they made their money back on it because of her expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. But she was something else. Jeez. I got to know her fairly well. but She was quite a character. Oh yeah. <laughs> A real cusser boy, I'll tell you really? every other word was a cuss word, <laughs> but she was a decal. I'll tell you she was a decal, and she was no dummy, yeah not at, not at all huh
1: yeah Van, were you and Bruce Lee close off stage as well as on stage?
0: Well, you didn't have time to socialize you know, you just didn't you were so busy. I mean, we would work, we would go to work uh if, especially if we were on location, we'd have to be at the studio at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we were out shooting by 5, 5.30. And, um, you know, and because it was a half hour and we tried to get all this stuff in, we had five days. Actually, it was six days to shoot it. And normally, a half hour series, you have three days to shoot it, and that's all you get. Well, you can imagine what it was costing to do that thing. Yeah. And that was what uh, one of the major reasons that killed it. So soon yeah. was because the Warner's. I mean, 20th Century Fox could not afford all three of these things going on at once, mm-hmm. so they they killed it, and that was the end of that. Jeez. But in, in coming back, I got to say it's been one of the most popular things that's ever been made because it just keeps coming back almost all the time. You can find that it's playing somewhere in the United States, all all year round. Wow. And that's the way it still is. Yeah. Because when I went back to do that big thing, somebody said, Oh, I just saw you on your show last night. <laughs> yeah. It was on one of those you know, side stations and this, that, and the other. Yeah. He said they'd been on there for four years. <laughs> somewhere. Jeez.
1: Now when they made the uh, movie back in 2011 the Green Hornet uh, were you offered any uh, chance to be a, a cameo or anything?
0: Yeah, I was and I knew from the get-go that I was not going to have anything to do with that. Oh, really? Because of the yeah, because of the guy that got the rights to it. Uh, uh, he was a comedian.
1: Yeah.
0: And he was going to do it as a com- comedy. Mm-hmm. And I said there's no way I am going to do anything in The Green Hornet as a comedy. None. Yeah. And I didn't, and it didn't do worth a damn. Yeah. In fact, I, I had run into so many people that asked me, did you see it? Did you see it? And I said, well, I saw about 15 minutes of it. I was on the way to a, on a trip on a safari to Africa, and it was playing on the airplane. Mm. I said, you know, I better look at this thing, because I heard it's terrible. Well, I watched 15 minutes of it, couldn't watch it anymore, turned it off. Yeah. And that's what everybody that I've talked to said. A lot of people on this show that I would to. they said, did you see that Green Hornet movie? It was awful. I said, I saw 15 minutes of it. She said, oh, that's funny. That's what I saw. And I turned it off. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, it's not, it's not it the sad. Green it Hornet.
0: Because, huh?
1: It wasn't the Green Hornet.
0: No, it wasn't the Green Hornet at all. Yeah. Not at all. You know, even though they had the Black Beauties and right. they had the costumes and tried to copy the costumes and all of that stuff, you know, it had nothing to do with Green Hornet at all.
1: No, nope, not at all. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad when they do that because you know people, people like me that remember the TV show. We have this idea of what it should be, and then, you know, you exactly. were exactly you were the Green Hornet. I <laughs> mean,
0: yeah. And then when you don't, when they don't do it, which they've done a lot, because everybody says, "Oh, we're going to do this." Movie, but we're not going to be the same because we want to change it. Well, they change it and nobody likes it, so it dies, and then they'll never do it again. Right? Yeah. They'll never be anybody do another Green Hornet movie. I right. just bet you.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, why change it if if it was a hit before? That's the reason why it was a hit because they liked yeah. the way it was done. But they turn around and they change it, and yep. it's uh... and it
0: and it ruined it and. You know, so many of those have have done the same thing, you know. Oh, whereas yeah. you take some of those war things, and they did, did them over and over and over again, and they were just exactly the same, yeah. and they just kept going, you know.
1: Well, Van, let me finish up with just a couple questions here. Your role as the Green Hornet, you played it straight as opposed to, like, Batman, which was kind of a goofy-type thing. Who yep. made the decision for that? Was that the me. directors? or You made that decision? Me. hmm As
0: soon as I went over there, I said... You might want me for this, but if you want me for this like like uh, Bruce, I'm, I mean like uh, Adam West is playing that, I'm out of here. They mm-hmm. said, wait, 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 wait a minute now. We, we're kind of thinking about this, playing it straight. And I said, if you're going to play it straight, I'll do it. If you don't, I'm out of here. Yeah. So I played it straight. Hmm. Yeah. All I right. Got, I got some criticism for it. Really? So I'll tell you what. Now, people loved what I did.
1: Of course, yes. Yeah.
0: They loved what I did. And, yeah. you know, it was the big... But, you know, it wasn't... The, the Batman fans weren't on to the Green Hornet
1: mm-hmm. and right.
0: vice versa. Yep. It just was not something that those people would like and vice versa. Just yeah. not at all. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah.
1: Well, Van, um, final two questions, quick questions sure. here. Your favorite TV shows of all time. What What do you enjoy watching now and in the past?
0: Well, uh, I'm really into military stuff mm-hmm. yeah. because I've gotten to be good friends with a lot of special forces guys, you know, the SEALs and this that. Yeah. Also, I like law enforcement stuff because I was a cop mm-hmm. for 25 years. Yeah. People, people don't remember that that much, but I spent 25 years beating myself on the sand in Malibu and and doing all that stuff and working the mountain rescue out of the helicopters and saving all sorts of lives and yeah. everything else.
1: What's your favorite movies? Oh, what are your favorite okay. movies?
0: The movie, I, I had none, no movies that I liked. Really? No, I only did three or four.
1: Oh, no, I mean, but what movies do you enjoy watching, I should say?
0: I enjoy war movies. Uh, I enjoy westerns. Uh, it's just too bad that they don't make good westerns like they used to because when John Wayne was the big star he was my hero and I went to every dang movie he ever made and mm. uh, you know that was a big thing and and uh, I I, I like detective shows to a certain extent uh, even though I played a detective you know in two or three series right set yeah together, and, uh, it 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 kind of was a a letdown, or whatever you want to call it, when I finally became a cop. Boy, what a difference than being a cop and being a you know shooting a series about a cop.
1: I'm sure. <laughs>
0: totally different. Totally different.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: But uh, I got to admire those guys that are cops. I've oh. got a lot of cops that are dead. That yeah. were friends of mine that were been shot, shot killed. Yeah. I've got a lot of friends that were. I'm looking at a picture here in my office of 26. Seals that were gathered together in a big transport plane because Army Rangers had gotten in a fight and they were losing and they were going to get run over and killed. So they gathered up all these Seals, 26 of them, including a dog and a dog handler, put them on this uh, the C-130, took off, and as they were landing, they dropped the tank down to let the guys out and somebody sent an RPG right up the thing and hit the gas tanks and blew blew them all up. Oh, jeez. And they sent me a picture It's on the wall here of all those guys. Too bad. God. Jeez. Oh, every time I see it and think about it, I just, it's just so tough that those guys go through and then they kill them all at once. Yeah, I know. After all that training and everything that they've done, I admire the hell out of all those Special Forces yeah. guys, not just the SEALs. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. But the Rangers and the Raiders and the Green Berets and Delta Force and all those. So I know a lot of them, and they're great guys, and they I envy them, though I don't know if I'd ever I'd made it through any of the training of that stuff because yeah. that training is tough.
1: Yeah, we owe them a lot, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: We really do. And, you know, that's the way our wars are going to be fought from now on. It's just like, you know, they just went and got a gallop of Somalia or something like that. And mm-hmm. that's, they're, they're, we're not going to go to war over trying to get two or three people out of a place. They're going to send in the SEALs or send in the Green Berets, or send in the... And, you know, they're all different type of special forces, those guys are. They're oh, like yeah. specialized in different things. But when you put them all together and use all of them, Boy, what a horse! Oh, yeah. What a horse it is!
1: That's for sure. It's unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Van, oh. I want to thank you so much. Like I say, I'm so glad that we finally got you on the show here, and I appreciate you taking so much time and sharing this with us.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I, I kind of kind of did it getting at my age, and somebody still remembers me.
1: Oh, uh, we will. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, good talking to you, and I'll talk to you again soon. I'm sure.
1: Van Williams, I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen to Beyond. And I got to tell you, Van is quite a trooper. Even after all these years in his acting, you know the show must go on and everything. Uh, Van earlier in the day had fallen and he uh, hurt a rib, and he, he he was telling me basically he mushed his face. It, it was just just uh, all hamburg. So he, he wasn't uh, you know in the best condition. Uh, he was in pain but uh, he wanted to do the interview so we just continued with it uh, he had been like i say to the hospital earlier in the day and he was home now and uh, it was j- just a trooper i got to tell you geez I, I i was you know i told him we could do it later but no he wanted to continue so uh, i want to thank him so much for doing that and i also want to thank uh, for getting van williams we uh, had a little help from a listener rob who uh, helped us out getting uh, in touch with van williams and i appreciate that very much and if you have a suggestion for a guest on On Screen and Beyond, you can email it to me at feedback at com, and I will see what I can do about getting that person on here. We try all different methods to get these people on here and we are just continuing to get such great guests. Uh, we, it's just so much fun to talk to these people and uh, so no matter who you want just send it to me i will try I, that's all i can tell you and i will do my best so uh, give me an email at feedback at com. we'll see what we can do and be sure to tell a friend uh, help you know promote the show and uh, tell them that there's all these people all these great actors and actresses that are uh, on there and of course there's musicians and Peter Tork from The Monkees, John Densmore from The Doors, and the Meatloaf was here. All kinds of musicians. Just a lot of fun. And we got more coming your way, so tell them about it. Tell them to go to com and go to our rerun section. You'll hear them all. They're all there. So, I guess uh, one other thing, if you are going to be making any purchases online, and if one of those places that you are going to go is one of our sponsors at OnScreenAndBeyond.com, please be sure to go to our site first, click on their ad, it'll take take you right to their site just like you normally would. But what it'll do, it'll give us a little credit, and it will help support the show. And uh, you don't have to do anything different. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just the time to go to onscreentobeyond.com and make that little click, and it'll help us out. So we'd appreciate that. So, anyways, that's about it. That's a wrap for this week. Until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. <laughs>